What's happening? Welcome to Wong Notes Podcast, Season 5, the Season 5 premiere episode with one of my absolute favorite guitar players of all time, one of the greatest guitar players of all time, potentially the greatest guitar player of our time. I said it, John Mayer. Now, my friends and I, all of us, we get it. We know Mayer is king. But for whatever reason, a lot of the guitar world, a lot of the guitar community, a lot of the guitar publications don't give him his due. I'm here to do it, okay? John has become a friend over the last few months, and that is insane to me because he is just an absolute legend, and I have been such a huge fan of his since I was a teenager, learning how to play Room for Squares. Yes, it's not a song, it's an album. That's why I said it. I learned the songs off the album. Neon was way too freaking hard, though, at the time. I didn't have the chops. I didn't have the chops. Mayer is dope. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on record and say he's... I, I already did. I went on record. He's one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Tone, technicality, musicality, rhythm, pocket, dynamics, songwriting, choices, parts, production, all of that. This is a very, very unique musician because he has that perspective of somebody who understands the craft of a song, somebody who understands the craft of playing guitar in a pop setting, somebody who understands how to play guitar as the forefront instrument in a pop setting. There's not a lot of bands or artists that have that these days. That is why I think John is so special and such a great ambassador for the instrument right now. And I'm done talking him up and all this. Most of you listening to this podcast already get that, okay? This episode had to get split up into two parts because I went to John's studio and we just kind of hung out for the whole day and we were recording for maybe three and a half or four hours. I whittled it down to maybe two and a half hours or something like that. And I'm splitting it up into two different parts. So here's a lot of the talking, a lot of the back and forth stuff. Just getting to know each other a little more, getting in each other's minds. Part two of the episode, we do a lot more playing together. He gives a lot more playing examples. It's super cool. But it's the premiere of season five. We've had a little break. Lots of great things in this break. I actually just put out a new guitar pedal with Jackson Audio, the Optimist Overdrive and EQ. It's a two-channel overdrive plus an EQ, which I was sleeping on EQ pedals. I am now obsessed. Overdrive one, you press the left button. It's more like a Klon circuit. Overdrive two on the right, you press the right button. It's more of a flat response, kind of the Zen drive slash Timmy-ish thing. You press the two buttons together, it kicks on the EQ, which for me, I like to use it as a little bit of a mid bump. I just turn the mids up a little bit, but I'm stoked about this pedal because it is the overdrive that I have been wanting my entire life. And I'm not just saying that because it's a pedal that I collaborated with Jackson Audio for. It's because I really had a need. I had a want for this pedal. And I went to Jackson Audio and I said, hey, what do you guys think about this? They're like, yeah, we got this. But can you add an EQ to it? I said, I don't know. I don't know about EQ. I had no idea how powerful an EQ pedal is. So they were like, we got to add this in. It's going to be dope. They were absolutely right. That's the power of collaboration, my friends. All right. I'm not going to hold you up any longer. Let's hit it. John Mayer. Hey, you guys know about DistroKid yet? 
If you are an artist, musician, somebody who's trying to get your music on Spotify, Apple Music, all of those things, DistroKid is a digital distributor that can get your music on all of those platforms. It's the easiest, fastest way to do so, with accounts even just starting at $19.99 a year per artist. So for me, I have several albums out. I just pay one amount for the year. For all the Corey Wong albums, I just pay one amount, and DistroKid takes 0% royalty. 100% of the royalties come straight to me. Or you use their Teams feature where you can dedicate a certain percentage to one member of your band, a certain percentage to the other, or one of your collaborators. I do this sort of thing, it works amazing. DistroKid is who I use for my albums and it has worked great for me. The stuff gets up there fast. They have a smart ISRC thing. I don't have to worry about coming up with my own codes, registering a lot of the stuff. They just have that. And they also have these really cool design tools. If you are not very design savvy, they'll help you come up with assets for social media and other things to help promote your album. And if you want to use them, you can use my VIP code. Just go distrokid.com slash VIP slash Corey Wong and you get 30% off. How about that? Check them out, DistroKid. All right, let's hit this episode. That's the fourth position there? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. What you were just playing right there feels so you. Mm. Are you aware of... Let, let's take songwriting, let's take your singing, lyrics, everything aside, just guitar yes. right now. We all need to find the thing that's most magnetic about us to stand out. Yes. We all need to find the thing that's that's unique, that feels like it's most us as an expression of self. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you are objectively in tune with that? Yes. The thing that I, I won't say struggle with, but the thing that I have to think about is that that sound has... A, been played by me for 20 years. Yeah. And B, been played by a lot of other people that that sound means a lot to. And so for me, moving forward, I have to find my place in what it means to sit down and play a thing that already sounds like a thing, except it's me. Yeah. So when I was growing up, I go, ah, oh, that's too Eric Clapton. Ah, that's too Robert Cray. Ah, that's too Stevie Ray Vaughan. I'm sort of now going like, ah, that's too slow dancing in a burning room. Yeah. Right? And so... I, but I also think that there's so much gratitude in that. So like all this stuff, it's like, you would go like, that's John Mayer. It's like, yeah, yeah but that's also me. I'm him. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm the guy who did it. But there are so many people, which is amazing, who have moved it forward by doing it as well. Sure. That when it comes time for me to do it, my ear gets a little tricked and I go, well, you can't do that. Yeah. That's been done. And I go, yeah, but it's been done by me, so I should be able to yeah, keep doing thing. it. And I think that's the I think that's the that's the core of why I don't exactly put out the records that people ask for by name to be more like. You know, I wish it was more yeah. like this, I wish it was more like that. I wish it was more like continuum. It's like I I go through Instagram as well. Yeah. And my ears are picking up things as well. So as much as I want to just sit down and do the things that do come to mind, right? Yeah. Like I have my same influences I've always had. I take it the same place I want to take it. When I pick up a guitar, yeah, my ear knows that that's, well, that's a John Mayer thing. I go, yeah, but that's, but I did it. Yeah, but that's who I am. <laughs> yeah, you could say that so, is me. So 
You know what I mean? Absolutely. I find myself trying to not parody myself. And I think with Wolfpack, it's a similar thing. There's a specific sound that feels iconic in the sense where it just has its own presence or it has its own specific thing. I, and I only know this because people start saying, oh, do the Corey Wong thing. I know. And then it's like, well, I, I feel like there's like three or four things you're asking for. Here we go. So this what? Is, yes. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. Well, I just want to know which of the three or four Corey Wong things are you asking for in the context of the song? I kind of know what they are. But then as soon as I start thinking, oh, I'm going to do the Corey Wong thing, I start sounding like a parody of myself. Here we go. You've d- I was worried when I was explaining it to you that you weren't going to understand it, which I do a lot in life. And then people offer their side of it. And I go, oh, you just said exactly the thing that I was scared I wasn't going to be understood for saying. But while you were saying that, I'm also thinking like, that's one of the luckiest things to have in the world. Absolutely. I mean, that this is the greatest problem any musician will ever have is yeah. that they are so well-known and thought about that they actually sort of are racing themselves in terms of how, how to find a way to evolve. Yeah. You know, I don't know what my recorded output would have been like if each record hadn't saturated the way it did. Maybe I would have made three continuums. Sure. Right? But whatever the thing was that made continuum special also made me feel like, well, we've done that. Mm. That's worked. That's hit people. That's touched people. Yeah. I'm sure that 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 has been heard. I don't want to sit down. I mean, let me play you something, okay? Does that sound... Isn't your first thought that that's a little bit of too much of a John Merritt? Like, when I'm doing it, how much of it feels like, oh, shit, he's doing it, and how much is like, oh, that's slow dancing in a bringer. Got it. Uh, that, to me, feels like I grew up listening to that sound. Nobody's heard you as much as you've heard you. Exactly. Here we so go. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not thinking, oh, I've been listening to that for... That's right. Like, that's I right. haven't been playing that song or listening to somebody play that song on tour for 15 years. But it's, a, it's on Instagram. Sure, but there's versions of that. Like, I can, somebody could be watching Instagram in the other room, and I could say, oh, that's somebody doing the Schofield thing. Right. That's Schofield. Right. Then I can hear, right. oh, that's somebody doing the mayor thing. Right. That's mayor. That's cool. Okay, that's cool. So for me, I hear you do it. It's like, of, of course. Just like when, when we're sitting here, I'm looking at you. Of course it's you. Okay. Of course you're John this is, Mayer. This is, the, this is the dissociation I have with myself, which is actually very good as an artist yeah. to forget you're you. As I'm sitting down and playing it, I, I'm telling you, I forget I'm the guy who did it. I feel like I have the same right to play it as other people, and I feel sure. like I have the same possibility of another person going, I don't want to hear that again. Like, I feel like any other guitar player. Like, Do you feel like you have to work to remember you're the guy who's made those records? I haven't done it long enough to be that disconnected. I think I sometimes lose perspective of when and how the thing happened in the room versus playing it on tour. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, no, this is the arrangement. Oh, listen, slow dancing in a burning room goes like, it's not a silly little moment. It's not the calm before, the, you know, yeah. a storm before the calm. And uh, and on stage, I go, it's not a silly little moment, not the storm before the calm. Yeah. And I go, no, that's the way it is. And you listen back to it. It's not a silly little moment. That's it, right? It's, you don't you don't realize that as you go, you pick up. Yeah, all these, it's like the national anthem has picked up like six new notes over the last thirty <laughs> years. <laughs> What's the one? Uh, 
in the twilight's last gleaming. Like, mm. that wasn't there, but it's there now. Yeah. Twilight's last gleaming. Everyone does it because I think it's like everyone's on tour with Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. yeah. When I hear you play, those specific things are just like opening up Instagram and seeing a picture of you when I, or like just oh, cool. standing in front of you. Cool. Somebody could be playing your guitar and it's still just somebody else playing your guitar. I like, I like this problem I have because it, it um, allows, well, it actually prevents me from ever banking on anything I've ever done before. Sure. I don't have the mentality. It's really weird. Like, I know that I did it. I know that it's special, but I, it does not course through my veins. And that's yeah. a really good drug to not have going through your veins, which is like, I did that. Every record I go and make, I'm, I, I know it sounds really pat, but it's not like, or this is true. I feel like I'm starting again with, the most crisp, giant, white canvas I've ever had. And maybe one day I'll look back and count my chips and go, oh, there's a lot of stuff here we can go play for the rest of our lives. But I'm still, I forget that I go on stage. Like, I, I don't know what changed in my thinking through the years, but I don't feel like a star. I feel like a guy who gets to play guitar and nobody stops him on the way up to the stage. Sure. You know, I, for some reason they let me up there. Yeah. You know, I, I'm the guy with the laminate. More than, more than, it's hard yeah. to explain, but it's a better way to live. I don't take that stuff with me. I don't even take it with me when I'm not playing guitar. Was there a certain time that that shifted for you? I think so. I think I tried, I think I thought that being like a superstar was part of the package deal. Sure. And, and I didn't realize I hated it until that part had to take a break, and then I was like, okay, wait a minute. Okay, right. What's going on? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I only like this, and I want to do that, and I want to do that. And then when I joined Dead & Company, that was even better for me because it was like, you have no claim here. Yeah. You're just one of these one of the guys who has a laminate. Yeah. And you're the only person in this building who can keep walking up to that microphone yeah. who won't get stopped. That's yeah. how my brain sees it. And then ever since then, I've just been happier. You brought up something interesting talking about how you're trying to not keep doing your thing again. So many of us, part of the just the human experience is trying to find and be accepting of our identity. Mm -hmm. And when we find an identity, especially in music, which is so hard, mm -hmm. on a guitar, which is harder because it's not your physical voice, right. how do you continue to search for your own identity and develop a new identity on the guitar? I almost want to say like, I know, right? That's almost the thing I want to say yeah, back. Yeah. I think you have to let... It's like skywriting. Mm. If you skywrite a full sentence by the time you get to the last letter, first letter starting to evaporate. So for me, I know that I've done it. It's in my pocket. The sure. casino chips are in my pocket. They're not on the table. That's the best way to explain yeah, it. Yeah, I like that. They're not on the table. I'm not playing with that with those chips. I know, I know they're mine. I know they're in my pocket, but it doesn't, I'm very, okay. I'm very interested and committed to making who I am only about how my mind works and mm. not what I sound like in any uniform way. Yeah. And that's interesting to me that to be me is not necessarily a sound, but it is a thought process. Sure. And that creates the next sound I want to make. 
which I do think over the last 20 years has kind of helped stay fresh. I kind of see every artist as having a palette to paint from. Mm-hmm. And look, we're people, we get given certain colors. Sure. We just get given certain colors. Yeah. And that's something I want to talk about as well, is like making the most of what you're given. Yeah. And I don't want to be the kind of guy where people listen to and they go, I know, light blue, dark blue, white. I got it. Yeah. I got it. And <laughs> and that happens to bands, I think, yeah. more than it happens to solo artists. But people get sort of stuck going, well, I'm going to have to do another one like this and another one like this. And yeah. I think for me... I'm curious as to how to get different colored paints on the palette as opposed to how many more things can I paint with the colors I have. Yeah. So that just takes it a step deeper into the creative process, which means I'm not looking at it like, what am I going to do with this sound? It's like, what am I going to do with this mind and what kind of sound do I want to make? So maybe the best metaphor is like being a film director Yeah. and I want to do a Western. And the only difference is the way that I would think to do a Western from anyone else. That more than it is like, I I could sit here all day and come up with new ideas that are based on. Yeah. I I could do a 6-8. Yeah. I could do. That sounds John Marish, I guess. Yeah. But but to me, it would feel like um, tracing. And mm. I'm going for a thing. I've never done this. I've never done... Yeah. That's entirely new to me. Yeah. That's totally different to me. Yeah. So it, it's like cilantro for my ear. Yeah. So when everything else just sort of becomes, you know, we know where, it's like I can visualize what most guitar players are doing. You can too. You can close your eyes and go exactly where they are on, yeah. on the neck. And for me, if I heard, when I, this thing went, oh. That's as fun to me as, you know. was when I was younger. Yeah. We're just looking for new territory. Like, oh, I haven't been to this part of the video game yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I haven't been to this part of the level. There's some crates here I haven't opened, you know? Yeah. So we're just looking for, to use Call of Duty nomenclature, we're just looking for, like, another loadout to drop down with a, with a parachute. And be like, <laughs> oh, new, st- like, that's when I make a new record. When I go, oh, new gear, yeah. new gear. I've yeah. not seen this one. Yeah. You know? I'm a Halo guy, but I respect Call of Duty. Listen, I want the world to be a Halo world. I do, but I'm a realist. You down with Halo? I played Halo 1 so much that I would play right before showtime and I would go on stage frazzled. Oh, really? Yeah, we would run the- uh, Like somebody's throwing grenades in your pit. Like you're just lobbing nades? Seriously? We, uh, Chad's in the other room. He was uh, Paco and we, would, we were playing <laughs> Hang Em High. We, we would play Hang oh, Em High. Oh, Hang Em High, yes. And Rocket launcher up in the top yes, in the middle. He, he, yes, you, yes. We'd yeah. play Hang Em High and we would play with other bands across the buses using an ethernet cable. Oh. We used to play Linkin Park. They would do a show and then they'd race over to our show. And yeah. after the gig, we would park the. I mean, maybe there wasn't their bus, but they would get on the other bus. Or did, I don't want to. I don't want to taste. I know Lincoln Park joined us on the bus. Did we play with Guster? 
Yeah, Guster was on the other bus. And we so we would run the cable. Like before there was just multiplayer, yeah. you had to run a cable. I remember it. Or you would play split screen and you just have a gentleman's agreement not to look at the other screen. That doesn't work. <laughs> that doesn't work. We know so, that doesn't. Yeah. So I was a Halo guy. And it was it was to this day, the game physics and the game engine is the best Absolutely. game engine of any multiplayer shooting game known to man. It's still the most fair. It's still the most responsive. It's still the most um, sort of uh, consequence based yeah. on risk reward. It was a brilliant game. Brilliant game. Inverted or default? Oh my! In, I'm an invert. I, I'm an invert. Okay. <laughs> Respect. Where are you? I'm default. Yeah. I'm default. I want to be default. I don't want to go into controller options every time, but I have to. There's no way I could play the game default. There's no way I could play invert. I couldn't play. I couldn't use a laptop if you invert the trackpad the other way. I mean, I have to. Yeah iPad style. I think I started like playing flight simulators, and that's why I that's where I got my up is down, down is up thing. That's Goldeneye too, right? I think Goldeneye I was think that so. way. I was late to Goldeneye was happening when I was like trying to make a living. Oh, okay. So there's this little moment in time where I didn't consume entertainment or play anything because I was like trying to make it. So yeah. I have a little blind spot, but I do remember Goldeneye uh, had one board with a bathroom and you could just chill on the toilet in the stall. And I'm a big camper. Oh, you're a camper. I love camping. Okay, what's your favorite Halo level for camping? Now, Let, I let's don't remember I, back. Yeah, okay. So Blood Gulch, Hang 'em High, you got the original one. Chill out, oh, oh, damnation, oh, oh. prisoner. It, oh my goodness, you know all of them. <laughs> I would I would crouch in those two little cutaways inside of Hang 'em High. Oh yeah. You you got these two sniper I love a sniper rifle. I love camping. I'm the guy, I don't understand running into a house. I don't understand yep. these mad, like banshee runs. It makes me really nervous, but I love I love parking up at the top of a place and waiting a whole game. Plus, the health pack was right there. So if you got shot... Yes. How long ago did you play it? Or do you have an incredible memory for this? I just have a good memory. Yeah. I haven't played in probably 10 years. And you remember every name of every board? I guess, yeah. I mean, I probably remember a lot of the default character names, too. Oh, there were were default... Yeah, it's like Wilshire, the Big L. I don't. Oh my good. Oh, like, like default, mul- default multiplayer. Yeah, <laughs> like if you didn't have a, if you didn't put in your own username. You, and who wouldn't? Yeah, we have a creative writing project with a with a name. We used to play a game, Rocket Launchers Only. Ooh, because you nice. could set it to only play rocket launchers. Yeah, we did no shields, human weapons only. That's cool. So that actually is a little more like Call of Duty. I, I would feel after playing Halo like I had really played like racquetball or something. Like mm. I felt like I had truly physically played a thing because it was just so great in terms of its response to all, you know, the impulses of playing the game. And then I, I feel like, you know, what game is like that is the first Tetris. There is no Tetris like Nintendo Entertainment System Tetris. Every single game after that They've done something to futz with the impulse response of what the controller does and what this what happens on the screen. It's oh. never been better than than Nintendo Entertainment System Tetris. It's all that needs to be made. Okay, this hearing you say this just reaffirms some of my suspicions that you are a man who respects the craft yes. of things. Knowing that you're like a knives guy, like why is John Mayer into knives? Are you a knife guy? I'm not a knife guy, yeah. but I, I hear you talk about knives. I hear you get into things. I hear you talk about watches. I hear you talk about guitars. Our last few text threads of you just talking about very specific details of your yeah. guitar, my guitar. It's like the, your craft 
guy. I hang out there. Um, and that's there's there's probably a good psychological reason. It's probably not helpful to figure out what it is because I am who I am. I don't necessarily need to know the whole written report on why I've become who I've become sure, because I know yeah. I'm so set here, but I reside yeah. in details. I, that's where I um, hang out. So you only have to tell me a model number once. Does that hurt or help your creative process? That is such a good question. It has to help because it's just so plainly who I am. It's where I go. I mean, people ask me, have you seen this? Have you seen that? Have you seen that? I go, I don't watch things. Mm. And you go, well, what do you do instead? And I go, it's hard to explain. But I will, and I'm probably about to explain something half of the world does, but I go deep, deep down into one thing to yeah. figure out what's the best version of the thing, how do you use it correctly, Yeah, where could you take it to use it. So I'll go all the way to like tarp shelter configurations. Do you know how many different tarp shelter there, configurations there are with like an eight by nine tarp and, and a trekking pole and some stakes and some guy line? You could build a palace in the middle of nowhere if you knew the origami of setting up your ridge line yeah. or using, I mean, that to me, just something about it, and I know it's weird, will send me on a three-week thing, just like watching a series for three weeks. Yeah. Is every night, okay, and I'll order it, you know? And these are, they're not crazy expenditures. These aren't Lamborghinis. I'm going, all right, it's 149 bucks, you know? And yeah. it comes to the house, and you go. And it brings a certain excitement, but it's still, I understand it's still like lone wolf excitement. Yeah. Uh, cool band name, if you ever want to be in one. With lone me. wolf excitement. Lone wolf excitement. Let's start it, yeah. It's pretty cool. We could it's, open for Lord Huron. <laughs> it feels like the perfect, or War on Drugs. We, we, we brought just, up both of those names. We were talking before the podcast began about artists who were one guy creating a band, and then they would just tell you who they are. and Otherwise, it would just sound like Lord Huron came out of nowhere. Yeah. So it does help my creative process because the same machinery that is spinning over things that most people would think are inconsequential also spin with rhymes. Sure. Also, not so much with guitar. That's that I have on the spot. That's not. I don't think about it. I think about lyrics and melodies all the time. I'm constantly running, running, running. And at the end of the day, I just throw different stuff in the hopper, so it'll be tents, knives, how to use a compass. Yeah. How to understand the magnetic declination of each location you're in. You know, a compass is never really correct. I guess if you were in the North Pole, it'd be correct. But each location has a different subtraction or addition you've got to make of degrees based on where you are on the globe for accurate compass readouts. Now that sounds like the most boring thing in the world. To me, it's two nights worth of Googling. There is no, you had no choice in life but to be successful at something. Ah, thank you. Um, like the, the, just that sort of brain. I mean, Jack from Wolfpack, the band leader of Wolfpack, mm -hmm. similar thing. He will go down a rabbit hole. When he's interested in one thing, he will be the world's expert in that thing. I've bought your fonts. <laughs> I've bought the compressor. I think Wolfpack is one of the most genius modern bands. I've heard more Wolfpack than I have most other bands, and I own none of the records. But I hear it, and I consume it, and I was thinking about it this morning. I hope you guys understand how undocumented a lot of your music is in terms of people listening to it and enjoying it because you've sort of made Twitter 
And I don't even know if you're on Twitter or if you just make your Instagram posts look like tweets. Are you on Twitter? Yeah. You're so smart because otherwise it's just, hey, listen to this band play. And you put it in the lexicon of modern day. Mm -hmm. When the bass player drops it down real, I go, all right, I got to watch. <laughs> and I consume your band more than I consume most people's bands, but it doesn't amount to streams. And that bothers me for me. And it bothers me for you. So how does a band like that win? Well, the real question that will answer that eventually is what are the expectations? We live in a world where the expectations no longer match the outcome. Yeah. And that brings us into a world of great discouragement that's not even being discussed between one another. So everyone thinks that they are the only person who cannot get the wheel to turn, except nobody really can like they want it to. Yeah. And no one's talked to one another to talk about how discouraging this is, except first-time people. They don't know it any other way. Sure. They're happy to be on any festival bill at any name size. Yeah. And we've got to have a sort of reckoning, a reconciliation between expectation and outcome because here's a perfect example. Steven Spielberg doing West Side Story is in any other year of our life a shoe-in for a blockbuster and it was the opposite of a blockbuster. Yeah. And it has glowing reviews. Yeah. Like glowing reviews. Yeah. If Steven Spielberg doing West Side Story cannot become a masterpiece blockbuster hit, then he has done the world a favor by establishing a baseline of what our expectations should be. Mm, yeah. And what we also have are baseline quirks that throw off the curve, yeah. which are the five artists a year that are meteoric and who celebrate global streaming record smashing that mm -hmm. we all see. And God bless them, and they should celebrate it. They should write thank you. They should say they're so blessed and they're so thrilled. But when we start seeing worldwide streaming record breaking, it sets the altitude level in terms of the expectation of like where sea level is yeah. just in the wrong spot. And so everyone, if everyone's walking around discouraged, then we have to reestablish what we consider the expectation to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You would look at me and say that Sob Rock did well. And I, will, I could look at you and say that Sabrock came and went. Mm. I think everyone thinks their work comes and goes. Sure. Because they get a party thrown for them from Thursday night until Monday of whenever their release yeah. is. Yeah. And then they're sort of sent out the door into the searing daylight yeah. of normality after that, where, where you go, eh, well, you know. It was three, four days of a psychotic party. And now you're not seeing the Instagram story references to you. No one's talking about it. Mm -hmm. You're seeing the Spotify thing go down and you feel like it came and it went. Meanwhile, there's millions of people for both of us who enjoy what we do, yeah. who if you had a conversation with them, they would say, love those guys, love that guy. They're just not choosing to put that front and center. Sure. Think of all the bands you love. Like, love, love, love that you've never posted about on Instagram. Yeah. That if you, that some of the most meaningful music to you in your life, you've never posted about on Instagram. Where yeah. if, and I have guys like that too. If you came up to me 
and mention certain people, I go, oh my God, a hero of heroes. Yeah. But they wouldn't know because I just think there's a very small percentage of things we share with Instagram in terms of what we're listening to and what we like. And it's usually the stuff we know is in the overall conversation already. Yeah. So I just think we're having like metric shock mm-hmm. because everything we're, we're, we're thinking we can handle all these different streams of information, but we're not decoding it correctly. Yeah. And we get disappointed really quickly. So that's a very long answer, but it's the closest one I have because the other answer is, I don't know, like adopt some other mind TikTok. Sure. That's not a fix. Yeah. You should do TikTok if you like TikTok. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't like TikTok, you should not have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but if anyone could figure out how to do it, it'd be are you on TikTok? I'm on it, yeah. You, you don't get any upward mobility. I have fun on it, but I only do it when I want to do it. That's what I do. I do it once every three months because that's the only time I think of one. Yeah, if I if it's something that's gonna be fun to me. A lot of people say, dude, you gotta get your TikTok game to get you're gonna blow up if you just like you got the personality for it. You got the talent that you can show and you have personality to match it. Like, yeah, but if it doesn't excite me, it's Agreed. it's gonna burn me out. I am I never burn out because I choose to do the things Same here. that are gonna be fun. Same here. Look at us. We have so much enthusiasm, no matter what. I mean, I have more enthusiasm now than I've ever had. It doesn't go away. I knew making Sabrock was either gonna disappear or is going to change the world. And either way, I was going to go, all right. Well, no, not if it changed the world. I would be super yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if it didn't change the world, and if it did sort of disappear, then I'd go, all right, let's make another one. But yeah. if you had seen me making Sabrock, I was coming in every day like it was the only thing that mattered to me in my life. Yeah. So I have a very strange gift, probably of the serotonin variety, where I will work like I will die if I don't make this record perfect. And when it comes out and it goes like, oh, really nice, really nice, cool. Some people love it. Most people, by definition of it being 2021, haven't heard it. Sure. Right? So we don't even live in a love, don't love world anymore. Yeah. We kind of live in a love or haven't heard world. Yeah. I, I just knew that I'd go, all right, let's do another one. Like I don't get disappointed for long. I get discouraged which is like a like a much more broad sense, a, a low grade hum of like, well, where do you want me to be? Like, what do you want? Uh, how can I help you? Yeah, where's the where's the place you want me the most? It's not really like I'm shit. It's like, hey, where where would you like me to stand at the party? Okay, so part of that then we're talking about expectations for ourselves as artists, but then managing the expectation of the audience for them to understand where on the dartboard you're aiming. Mm. For a lot of years. My interpretation, you were aiming for the bullseyes, the I want to be radio star, superstar. Then for a while, I'm not just aiming for the bullseye. I'm aiming for the triple 20s mm-hmm. right now. I'm going to aim for the triple 17s because mm-hmm. that's where I want to focus on the dartboard now. Mm-hmm. Here's where I'm focusing this on the dartboard. And other pi- people might watch you shooting those darts and thinking like, why? He's way off. He's yes. way north of, yes. of where he's supposed to be. Yes. I get that a lot. I knew I was going to... I think on the last maybe... Certainly this record, I knew not to worry about that anymore. I just knew that by definition, (laughs) I'm going to say something coarse, by definition of my being an artist, they're wrong and I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. It's that simple, Corey. They're wrong. Now, they may not like it and they may have a right to not like it, and they may think they're right, and they may be right in their heads. But as the artist, the guy who has to call these shots, 
and has to go the path that they know is going to take them to the highest ground they can find, I'm right. They're wrong. Now, it's a very sweet you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It's a very loving you're wrong. And I think more people should adopt a more loving you're wrong when it comes to making something. Yeah. My job is to stay just a little bit ahead so you don't like it until next year or the year after. Yeah. Like, I, I've said this before. We look at fashion to challenge us and we look at music to be exactly what we were hoping for. Mm. But everything else in our life is sort of meant to challenge us. I saw a, a trailer for a new movie where Nicolas Cage plays himself. <laughs> like, that's a challenging, cool thing. Yeah. And people go like this, love it, can't wait to see it, can't wait to see it. Yeah. And it's like, I would like to use a Juno and a Roland JX-8P, and I want to work on some sort of Bruce Springsteen Tunnel of Love song form. Yeah. And I want to sort of harken back to the 80s thing. And it's like, you what? And it's like, everything else in your life you want, you've requested of people to sort of interest and tickle you. Yeah. And I think music is just so sacred to people that... I think it's a little bit, I just thought of this right now. It's a little bit like what I would imagine someone you love coming home with like a facelift would be. Mm. It's like, oh, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I love you the way you look, man. I love you the way you look. And for me, I'm in the facelift business. I'm, that's the business is like, you build a sandcastle, you take a few pictures of it and you let the wave come in, but you still have the sand. Yeah. So to me, I always look at it like, um, it's not, none of this music is going anywhere. It's all mine. People yeah. go, oh, it's no continuum. I go, you're comparing my record to my other record. I yeah. win I win either yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I win either way. But what I've learned is that people end up understanding it. Look, I'm 44. Other people right now are 24 and discovering Stop This Train. Mm. There were people who didn't get born and raised who became my age when I made Born and Raised, who now get Born and Raised. Yeah. There will be someone at some point who has a moment in their life where they enjoy the whimsical nature of some of the things on Sabrock and go, oh, I get what he's doing. Yeah. I would prefer that everyone had understood at the same time, therefore reflecting a more robust sales year. Yeah. But that doesn't work that way anymore. Sure. You know? And so it sends me back to the advice, well, not advice, but you asked me what do you do as a band. Just keep creating the tunes, and uh, it's all you can do. It's just keep yeah. creating the music and the tunes, and trust people to track it down at some point. Yeah, you know, there's dignity in that. You know, who were the who were the guitar players for you that were your LeBron James? Like, who were the all star players in your mind? John Frusciante, mm-hmm. Prince. Maybe it has to do with I'm from Minneapolis, so there's some just kind of in the water. Everybody's right. you know it's around. Right. But I grew up with MTV as kind of my babysitter. Sure, me too. So it was the Weezers, the Billy Joe Armstrongs. Got it. And then it was getting into high school, Dave Matthews, John Mayer, James Valentine. Right. That kind of era of. What was the record of mine when you were in high school? Room for Squares. Got it. Oh, so you were on it from the beginning. Yeah, you, I, I bought in on the IPO, dude. I, I, <laughs> well, it is very IPO. <laughs> I mean, that record is sort of, I look back on it as like proof of concept. Like nobody's screaming play something from Room for Squares. Yeah. But I think everyone understands it was like the be- It was like the beginning of the machine spinning up. It's like the thing yeah. you have to, 
you have to get out to get to the other stuff. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I, but, I mean, I, I don't remember what year the tour was, but I saw you and Maroon 5 opened for you. That could have been 04. I think we went out in 04, but they came out quite a bit. They were out for almost a year, I think. It must have been 03 or 04. They would crush, Corey. They would come out, they would play like it was their show, which you want. Yeah. I want people to hit hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not one of these, like, turn them down guys. Sure. And they would sell 500 CDs at the merch stand. It was amazing. I never saw anything like it before or since. It was amazing how they did it. Yeah. They would, I've, I saw them sell 500 CDs one night, which is crazy. It's insane. To have done. And this is when I think maybe this love was sort of starting to percolate. Yeah. And I've never seen a band take more advantage of the slot. I want bands to take advantage of the slot. Yeah. I, I want you to make it, not that it, not that there's something, something competitive about it, but I want you to take something away, like take something out of it. Take yeah. something out of the overall capital that I have. Sure. What do you it, look for in an opener besides just that tenacity? I think now that I am forced to think about it and answer the question, which is a good one, that it, for me, I'm looking at, at openers as equalizers in terms of artists I think are really talented who aren't getting paid enough attention to. Sure. Which is now every artist, but uh, I'm looking at it like helping amplify a couple of artists who I think are really great. And we're going back to openers this time. Cool. Which we haven't announced yet, but it's going to be a little more like a like a classic tour setup where we're playing for one big long set. Yeah. With an opener and we'll go back to the two set sort of thing of There's just yeah. I'm so lucky. I mean for all the it's funny. This is what this is an artist talk. Artists will talk about their record as if it was a, a dud and nobody cared and then they go, "Yeah, I'm also going to go on my sold out tour. I'm going to yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to play." So, forgive <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, if yeah, anyone is listening. Yeah, it's it's how artists think. We're just calibrated to be, yeah. like, give us one-tenth of what stand-up comics have in the way that they sort of look down on themselves. Like, yeah, like well, what do you want, John? Do you, yeah. did you, you're, you're in your 40s. Did you want to be number one on Spotify? Like, I, I actually do have it pretty, pretty well in check, but, you know. Yeah, we have it's this okay to. Amorphous feeling sometimes that it's not enough. And uh, I get to go out with a record that I think is going to be as welcomed as any of my records in the past are, and that I did not see coming. I mm. mean, we're going to play every song off this album. I don't think there's a crummy song on this whole album, nor do I think there's one that won't shine live. Yeah. So it's going to be sort of like the tours of past where you, you're really supporting an album. Yeah. And then down the line, we'll go back to like the more retrospective... Yeah, but yeah. I, this is like a sob rock tour. You yeah. know? Some of these songs can be played so many different ways, and I want to I wanna really amp some of these songs up. One song in particular, going back to kind of the identity on guitar thing, Wild Blue, that's my mm. favorite guitar track on the album. Yeah, on mine the too, album. thank you. The, there's a certain space that we can occupy as a guitar player. You have an identity, I have an identity, Prince has an idea. All these people have an identity on the guitar, sometimes so strong that you play something and it's like, oh, that's that thing. Yes. Where I'm going with this is there's certain things about it, like the first kind of guitar solo break on there, I think, oh, because of the tone and the phrasing and the song, it's like, oh, it's kind of dire straitsy. Right. And then that towards the end, it's like, that's John that's, Mayer. So I that that guitar solo was from the the... The band just played. I had brought the song in. It's the only song that wasn't done before we walked in. 
and I had had this idea. And, and again, you, you'll understand this. I like a guitar part that actually feels good under my hands. Yeah. Yeah, it was better with a pick. Yeah. It just feels... It feels good. Yeah. And I came in and I showed it to everyone... And Aaron Sterling goes, do, 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 do. and Sean Hurley goes, you know, do, 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 do. and I just went, I knew it went. And when it came time to play the solo, I was playing through a fractal. So when I say I was playing through a fractal, it's not really on the whole record, it's on a couple places. Sure. And I was just doing it on a fractal, like, well, let me, let's just get the sound together, yeah. like, real fast, and I'll replace it. It'll just be like, the, yeah, yeah. And it was time. It was like, da, 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 da. I don't know what I'm doing. That, that was the first time. Yeah. So I'm not thinking about maybe I'll do a Mark Knopfler thing here. I'm just going. Yeah. So, but also the sound of it was so di because it yeah. was a fractal. And the second also, position, it's just like it, he I think occupies that's where that was. space. Yeah. It was a 61 Strat. I didn't even think it was Mark Knopfler. I was just going. You know. Yeah. These aren't the best guitar playing chairs we're sitting on. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, I also like flubbing when I play. It's like, I don't know yeah, flubs. Yeah. Um, and, and then later on, when it came time to do the ending, I had my amps and it was in my house. We, we finished the record in my house. And that's yeah. when it was really fun to sound like I would normally sound. So there's two different vibes on that song. But that's a lucky shot. I mean, every record should have a lucky shot. Sure. The rest of them, you know how you did them. And I think every record should have one. You go, listen, I have no idea. Yeah. Like that one half belongs to me, half belongs to the person I'm not yet. Yeah. You ever feel sometimes like you write a thing that's not quite who you are yet? Absolutely. And it's this great little gift like I didn't, I did not see that one coming. Almost embarrassed by it. Yeah. I have questions about your guitar. I love your signature guitar. Thank you. Uh, we, we did a guitar trade. Yours is coming very soon. But you sent me yours. Yeah. And it has some really clever stuff on it. The body is what, like 5% smaller? I keep saying 3 to 5% smaller, smaller than like your average strap. But that depends it's, on what strap you're referencing. That's, right. that's why I say 3 to 5. So it, there could have been one that came off the line that was actually that size when people were doing guitars by hand or even still a little smaller. Well, I had you measure your hit maker for me. Yeah. The Nile Rogers guitar. Which and it's a little is, smaller at the horn. Yeah. Yeah. Which you said, like, yeah, objectively it is, but it's a little I bit. don't know. I can't really. I do just it. love the thought of it. What made you think, because your original Highway... Yeah, strat, Highway 1. Highway 1, that didn't offer that. So what was it about playing a Strat? You went, you know, I wish this was smaller. I've played a bunch of different types of guitars, bigger bodies, smaller bodies. Every brand has their yep. Strat type thing. Tried a bunch of them. Certain ones that felt in my hands, like, I think this is a little smaller. They had a certain transient... Mm-hmm. There's That's like a love. certain That's your thing. a certain speed to the mm -hmm. 
I just wanted I wanted it fast. Uh huh. And I wanted the transient just. It's just very. I mean, this amp here is incredibly fast. It's well on the guitar front though. I wanted it just felt like with the smaller body, something about it made the transient a little this is, more. This is what I love. Sorry, I didn't want to cut. Well, you. I just I I don't have any explanation. Well, that's it. That is what, that is what a transient is. Just cuts off, just like your explanation of a transient. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted a transient to be a little more. That's exactly and what that's it. Yeah. it is. It has a need, and that need is fulfilled by a design change. That's yes. my favorite thing in the world. Yes, not what I call spec roulette, mm. where it's just strat body, telly head, humbuckers. Yeah, um, I love when someone looks at a thing and goes, "It's not this enough." I'd love it to be that. That tickles me, uh, like I did with no backplate on the guitar. I go, "I yeah. haven't had a backplate like they don't work." I take mine off. The window of the backplate, the strings don't fall through. Exactly. So then it was a big thing with legal, like, can you not have a backplate on there because the springs might fly out? And then I was like, "Oh, we'll take the screw holes out." So don't even drill the screw holes. Yeah. So my guitars don't even have screw holes drilled in them. Because there's still four springs though. Yeah, because I'm most of the time I'm locked into the yeah the body. I don't I don't yeah. I don't really do the whammy bar that That's much. That's what I do. And and they say the headstock is different, but I can't see where it's different. Okay, the headstock is three to five percent bigger. Bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so well, we, that three to five percent's got to go somewhere. Yeah, we shaved it off here. Uh, but I felt like with the regular headstock, now it actually maybe is a little too light. Added a tiny bit here, it did something to the sustain in the it. lead. Yeah, yeah, it's like one of those clamps you put on there. What yeah, do they but, used to call those? Wasn't that like a Fernandez sustainer? To me, it's my the body solves my rhythm guitar. I'll call it an issue. Mm -hmm. It's not an issue. Sure. It's my preference. It's something, a desire. Then I had a lead guitar desire, a little more sustain when I do play, which can we go down the road of your idea on the neck thing that we were talking yes. about? Yes. I, I, I don't know, because I don't know, yes. I don't know if somebody's going to steal no, the idea. No, because anybody could steal it. It's sort of dopey. Well, I'll say really quickly, a design idea that was based off a need was for a neck to be rosewood up until about the 14th fret, and then be maple from there on. Because sometimes when I play, it gets a little soggy up there. And you want it snappier. And I want it a little snappier up there. I love design things like that. Yes. Not what would be different. Because yeah. you're, you're not driven by anything. It's random. You have no MO. Yeah. But here's my question for you, Corey. Here's the question. Your signature model is based off the guitar you love the most? Is this correct? Uh, in the sense that... A Stratocaster. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but, but it's but, based off yeah, of the yeah. one that's the most important to you. Yes. I'm going to ask you a spicy question. Do you like this one better than the Highway 1 that inspired it? In most ways, absolutely. Because I had specific things that I... The Highway 1's one that I had since I was a teenager. Boom, there it is. I just had it. That's what I could afford at the time. I mean, realistically, it's like the cheapest American Strat that mm -hmm. they were offering at the time. It's what I could afford. So... I loved certain aspects of it. I changed out the pickups, developed these ones with Seymour Duncan. The pickups I use in that are the Antiquity Surf pickups. Got it. Great for clean. They felt a little bit zzz, zzz, mm -hmm. as soon as I turn on the drive. Mm -hmm. There's like something in it understood. that I- Totally yeah. understand. So, I've, I've heard those. They get wool. Just not those ones in particular, but, but pickups that don't speak with distortion very well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we kind of altered it a little bit to give me that in these. So now the pickups- Exactly what I want. I wanted a little more of the contoured body for my hand right. down here. 
I like that a lot more than my other guitar. The neck shape, it's a little thinner this way. Not gem thin. Sure. I, I, it's funny you know that, yeah. <laughs> but most aspects of this guitar, I like more than my Highway 1. But there's a connection to the Highway uh, this 1. Is my, this, is, this is the thing. So now, now let me ask you this question. This is what I'm led to ask. Yeah. Do you have a connection with that signature version of your guitar as your number one now? Is this your new number one? Or could you give it away to someone after a show that you really loved and Fender would send you another one, would you be fine? Or do you have a connection with this one as the new number one? This is the final prototype. You'll see the only difference is it just doesn't have my signature and it says... Which you like because you don't want to play a guitar with your own signature on it. That's kind of, that's an add-on, that you're not playing guitar it's with a your little, own. It's I'm a with little, you, I'm with you. But if you were like, hey, for whatever reason, I like your prototype better than this one that you sent me, I would give you this one. I have that going on too. So on the back of my guitar, when I find a new number one, I hand cut number ones with scissors and just flat panels of vinyl sticker. And I stand there in my kitchen, I try to nail a freehand number one using just That's scissors. Nice. And I swear each time it's going to be the one. And at some point I end up giving it to someone. And I go, all right, I'll find a new number one. That yeah. is the joy of your own guitar. Absolutely. You know what I think? It's like game-worn basketball sneakers. They're like game-worn shoes. Yeah. Jordan gets another pair. Yeah. But someone gets Jordan Keep sneakers. Keep the insoles, though. Is that what they do? Well, yeah, because they're, you know, the orthotics, they're custom. Oh, see, oh, then let me ask you this question. In keeping with that metaphor, do you have any orthotics on your version of the Corey Wong Stratocaster that no one else has? Nope. This is literally me exactly... Too. Same thing. Okay. Get it up. Same thing. I insisted on it. The Here's, guitar is specked out completely the same. No secret sauce on this guitar. And did you notice, like I can say for me, it actually, in a very, I think, healthy way, I kind of fell out of love with all guitars. Like I'm mm. not a guitar nut anymore because I have the one that plays exactly like I want it to. And so the search is a little over and I'm a little less into each and every little guitar that might come my way. Sure. And now I see the guitar. And actually, this is what's really enlightening about it. Your guitar is no longer a challenge to nail down the instrument you need, mm. which diverts all your focus to what do you want to do on this instrument. Yeah. And now the new chapter in my life is how to make the guitar disappear in terms of your expression on it. How to play what I call past the guitar. I'm not playing the instrument. I'm playing the music. And the instrument is a part of it, but I know it's there and I don't have to think about it. When you yeah. get a signature model... You stop lusting after all guitars yeah. because you sort of have, like, you don't have a number one in that there's this one model with a serial number. Yeah. You have a number one in that you could have someone send you another one of the same number one. Yes. Have you ever thought about a, a custom shop master-built version just for you? I haven't. I've actually never had a custom shop. That's I, where, I, like, big bad collector brain for me yeah. comes in and I would say, like... What about a Todd Krauss version of that bad boy just for you? Then you would then you would really have a number one. Sure. Then you would I, you'd give that one away for more money and then you'd be back to needing to cut a new number one for your guitar <laughs> like I do. But I'd be happy to Yeah, I've I've always thought, oh, you know, it might be fun to have one with like white binding on the neck. Yeah. But also I, I thought about doing that for mine just because like I think it looks cool. I'll be honest. I think the guy who made the thing should have sometimes one thing no one else can have. Okay. You should have a color. Get get one, get for just for you. I get excited when I see a clothes designer wearing his own stuff from next year that I can't have yet. And he kind of rolls in. And I'm like, what? Don't tell me. That's, yeah, no, that's not out yes. yet, is it? I like that. Okay. I, 
your own one of one color. Sometimes, sometimes you break it out. They'll do it. They'll shoot a, yeah. shoot a guitar a different color. Or, or Todd Krauss master. But just something where you go, well, this is the Founders special. All right. I'll ask Fender. As much as people want to know that they can go into a guitar center or go yeah. to Sweetwater and get the same thing you have, I also think sometimes it's nice for the guy who has the guitar himself to have a thing that's one level. I think it keeps the whole enterprise exciting. Okay. I got a couple Silver Skies at home that if people were to see the color, they would flip out. Are we talking about the, the pencil collab? Oh, yeah. I wanted to do a, <laughs> this, this color while we was thinking. Um, I've got the Roxy Pink one. And uh, the color, I kept wanting to call it Eraser Pink. And Bev Fowler at PRS. And probably everyone else at PRS just did not like Eraser Pink. Yeah. And I thought, well, what if you made this and you made Pencil Yellow? So for like 20 minutes, it was like eraser pink and pencil yellow that would be sold in a giant pencil case. I, I think it's brilliant. And you 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 get in with Fiskers. Yes, on you the, get in with Fiskers. <laughs> Fiskers, you know, they yeah. you get the eraser, yeah. a gigantic eraser yes. case. Now, for if, this, it. if this really were a gigantic case from my life, it would have an empty, an almost empty Twinkies. Or Chocodiles wrapper that would make the entire pencil case smell like a Hostess Ooh. product. That was what I just sort of, I don't know how they ended up in there. But it's fun. It might be a little different because I sort of have a sort of have a desk at the office where yeah. I can sort of like play around a little sure. more. But there's a responsibility in that not to be stupid. You yeah, know? It's yeah. like, I like moving slow. I don't, I mean, people are asking for stuff all the time. It's like, you wouldn't want that. Like yeah. I collect watches and I want things from watch companies I know they won't make. I'm disappointed, but I'm ultimately happy that the overall vibe of the thing is intact. You yeah. just, you know what I mean? Some colors I see come out. I see some color combinations come out for all guitar companies and I go, you shouldn't make those. I think the exact same thing in a lot of companies. You go, it's bad for your overall thing yeah. to make those. You know, you shouldn't just make what anybody asks for. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Because we should normally be like, no, I, every guitarist. I see certain guitars sometimes. I go, I think that's bad for the whole gander. Like for guitar as a whole. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like you're you're taking yes. down the, the entire guitar stock well, by it. your guitar and my guitar. I think elevates guitar. I agree. Your guitar I is agree. very elevated. That's what I want to do at PRS, and it takes younger people to make a guitar a little more like the other things we own. Sure. Tesla, Leica, Apple. Everything else in our life has this sort of smoothness to it, has this design language to it. Yeah. And we're going like, knock, knock, like, come on, guitar. Like, come on. Everything else is, you're still in sunburst and tortoise shell. Yeah. Come on, let's go. Sure. Come on, let's go. I love having a record that no one's heard. Yeah. For two months. I mean, this time it was like four months. It was the longest I've ever gone between having a record finished and having it heard. And like, I look back on it as the time I enjoyed my music the most because it had yet to open the gates on itself and sort of enter the world and sort of get touched sure. and handled. And I want it to get yeah. handled and touched and thought about. But for a minute, you're like, oh, this still has the contact paper on it. This yeah. still has all the shrink wrap on it. And I had a really good time listening to that record before the floodgates opened up on it. So I still like those things. I still like to have a guitar in my house no one's seen. Yeah. Yet. 
where the file is still named like master 4824 yes. underscore p e underscore yeah. yeah like different master guys have their own yeah, yeah, language yeah. i never thought to ask about you got to log into dropbox Ugh. just to listen to your own album oh, you know what thing that excited me the most about sabrak coming out was that i could listen to it on spotify and not dropbox cuz the, re- the album <laughs> wouldn't run like the album wouldn't run yeah yeah you had to keep pressing do you know who my number one artist of the year was this year on my spotify rap who was it john mayer only because <laughs> <laughs> I, you, 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 it was too long of me not responding. You had, like you literally didn't even give me one second to respond. You were already like no 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 no. That's the joke. Yeah, yeah. that's the joke. But I really was the number one. I was. Uh, there are people out there in the world going. I'm shocked to find out you were your favorite. <laughs> but it was just because I I wanted to listen to it like everyone else did. Yeah. Before they entered the restaurant. Yeah. And I must have listened. Uh, also. I don't listen to Spotify a ton. Sure. I actually do, but it's no one, there's there's no one artist I listen to enough. Yeah. So the only like tunneling I did yeah. in any artist was me just checking out my record before I knew other people were going to enter the gates of Disneyland sure. on it. And there's that moment where you go, all right, listen, you're great no matter what anyone has to say about you. You're great. <laughs> yeah. You brought me great joy. I gave you everything I could. I will see you again on the road. Don't listen to what those bastards have to tell you. Get out there and kill. See you later, bud. And, you know, we'll meet up again on the road when I get to play these songs again. Going back to the expectations, the way that you're talking about timeline, you said musicians aren't allowed to have do certain things challenging. Yeah, it's inconvenient, I think, for a lot of listeners to have to manage hearing both new music and new context. Yes. Yeah. That being said... I think another realm that music is not necessarily afforded the same thing as like the art world, not that music isn't art, the amount of output. You look at somebody like Claude Monet, you look at somebody like Dolly, any artist painter, it's like they're allowed to paint one painting a day and put them out and that's fine. But there's something about society that doesn't or culture that doesn't yet allow us to have the same, it doesn't celebrate the same output as a visual artist. That's correct. And I think it's because of how much deeper music goes for so many people. I I think the music bottleneck, and I could be wrong, and there could be people from other industries who go, oh, bite your tongue, it's bad here too. But the music bottleneck is especially tough because of the way people connect with music and what it takes to connect to a song. Sure. People find a record they like, and they bury themselves in it for six months. People listen to a record, half a record once, they move on. They didn't finish the second half. People sure. make me playlists, I forget to listen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I am them. Yeah. Them. Like the, yeah, yeah. the, 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 where they're made up of us. Yeah. It's just because of how deep people go with music, because of what it does activate in them, I think it's a lot of heavy lifting to get their ears around. Like if I put a new song out every single day, and let's say it went in ascending order of quality. Yeah. It would go in descending order of streams. A hundred percent. That is the math right there. It's just how it works. You become taken for granted. Uh, you, you, at their label, they would say, you're just going to get taken for granted. I get better service at a restaurant I go to for the first time than mm-hmm. I get at a restaurant that I'm a regular at. Because they know they can move you around. Yeah. They know you'll come back. Yeah. So it's this inverted <laughs> thing where if you did drop stuff every week in terms of the way people consume things or see things, they're going to miss a lot of it. Now, yeah. if I ran a label and I identified there was an artist who had to, and this was part of their legacy, I would totally do it. Mm-hmm. I think Prince is a guy like that. Yeah. When Prince passed away, it was like he signed the painting. Mm. Immediately. For me. I went, 
oh my goodness, he signed the whole painting. And, and uh, now I can step away from it and look at the whole thing. And I went, I get all of it. I get the whole thing. I get what he was working on. It's like one of those pieces of art where you can't see what it is until you walk in the right angle and all the things that are hanging yeah, off the yeah. ceiling line up and you go, oh, that's what you were doing. And if you're that kind of artist, then you need to do that. Yeah. But I think you bring that proposition to any artist out there, you go, you can put it out now. It's the marshmallow test. It's one now, it's two later, right? So I think mm. that's what happens. Also, you've got this thing where even managers will tell you that's not where the money is and the money's going on tour. Yeah. And the issue of output has more to do with how long you're expected to record a record and how long you're expected to tour. Yeah. And you're supposed, they'd like you to make your record in six months and they'd like you to tour for two years. And sure. I know financially that's robust, but I wonder if the money that touring has to offer screws with the work people could have been making. Like, yeah. what what could people have made in the year they were touring in when they were in their zone? Yeah. Like, Sometimes I worry that my create when I'm in my creative zone, I've spent time on tour while I was in my creative zone mm. and didn't know it. Yeah. It could have been it. I'd much rather make a record than go on tour. And I love going on tour. Yeah. I love people coming. You know, yeah, no yeah, one yeah, doesn't yeah. like being in the room and playing music for people. But that's evaporating every night. And recording and writing is constructive every night. Yeah. You just keep building this thing. And you go home and your heart might ache because you didn't get your kill that night because you thought you could sneak up on it that day and get it and you can't. Yeah. And that you might have learned that day that that song is just never going to work. And you go home and you pause and you hurts. Have you ever done this? Does this happen in instrumental music? Yeah. You drive home, you go, listen, I'm too tired to finish. Yeah. I don't have my answer tonight, but I'm going to drive home. And you drive home with the radio off. Yeah. And you just watch, watch the trees blow and you drive home and you go, what's not working about that? That to me is just as exciting as playing at the edge of the stage while sure. people are r wrapped in whatever it is you're doing. So I do worry sometimes that, look, w here's what we know. Life is not long enough. Yeah. We already know. You've already looked at the numbers and went, ah, it's not, I don't have enough time. Yeah. Right? Like that's, that's what's waiting for you is the curse behind the blessing of being able to have all this opportunity. Yeah. Is you go, oh boy, I'm never going to get it all out. But I want to go play these things, but... I want to go home and write another one before, you know, I mean, you never know. Yeah. You ever going to do an instrumental record? I don't, I wouldn't have the attention span for my own playing. I would, I'll tell you how I would do. I take that back. I would do a score for a movie. Yeah. I would immerse, oh, you'd kill my, that. I would immerse myself for a year and a half. You would kill that. Doing a score. Absolutely. Who's the director? Someone who, I'm going to say it this way. Someone who just likes me. Sure. Someone who just likes me gets me yeah and wants to he um uh, i don't know just something yeah, real you don't have to say it's person something moody yeah some a little little dust in the air yeah some with some mesas maybe in the background okay yeah yeah single camera okay so you're going are you thinking i mean immediately when you say that kind of stuff i'm thinking more of your born and raised paradise valley yeah like 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 uh i'm really making this up i don't know what notes i'm gonna make yeah Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, tried, you would kill it. I tried to be score like. That was a little yeah, too yeah, uh, Morricone. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a little Morricone. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to pander. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh, watch me. Oh, watch me. <laughs> 
So, but, but these are things I think about. I don't know how palatable they are as things you say in public, but you try to get as much music as you can into your catalog before your life changes. Yeah. Because writing is a very dynamic thing that takes a lot of energy that I would never slight a songwriter for ever saying, hey, I think that's enough. Mm. I would never slight someone. I would yeah. understand completely if they said, you know, every time I go write a song, I disappear from my friends and family. I don't listen to what they're saying at dinner. Yeah. They think I'm texting and I'm writing lyrics, which happens yeah. to me. Yeah. I would never text someone at a table, but I'm sorry they have to wait while I write a lyric in the notepad, yeah. which the, the spell check sucks on. So it takes me 15 minutes to write two yeah. lines. And you need to get the spell check right on that because you're not going to know what you meant yeah. when you get back to it. So sometimes I do see this time as the time you want to trap as many songs as you can, yeah. but then you want to go play them. So it's a weird balance. It's a weird balance. There's, there's a certain riddle that exists in the guitar world where there's like an instrumental song that just kind of becomes a part of the zeitgeist. Right. Lenny, uh, Cliffs of Dover. How about, how about this one? Because we've ended as lovers. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Beck. Oh, beautiful. That's a great one. Yeah. So, I mean, you're in pop culture. You're in conversations with labels. You're in, you get the zeitgeist. You've been a part of the zeitgeist for years. What do you think it is that would allow, like, what, what is it going to take for that? How does that happen nowadays? Something dopey you didn't see coming, where someone took your thing and repurposed it, <laughs> and it was the soundtrack to a dumb thing. And then you were reaping the rewards because people were going to Spotify to get the song yeah. that they could use on the dumb thing. Yeah. And it would be like when my mom like would be the would be the thing <laughs> while you're playing when you're you're playing the greatest you're playing your heart out in a composition that took time, energy, money, spirit. Yeah. And it was like, you know, apparently this filter is what you look like and while you're playing underneath it. Yeah. But that's it, right? So the only answer I have for you or me or anyone else is we now are in the phenomenon industry. Mm. And we do what we do. And putting out your record is not winning the lottery. It is, it is and it isn't. Putting out your record is receiving a lottery ticket mm. that might possibly win the lottery. Sure. So me putting out a record is me getting a scratch-off ticket. It's not yeah. me turning in a scratch-off ticket. You now have a ticket to the show. Yeah. And maybe you get called up and maybe you don't. So f this is what I mean about the expectation of it all. We've got to change the expectation so that we're not unhappy. And I think I've learned how to do it. Yeah. There's just not enough pie for everyone to have. Sure. And you could be one of the people who say, we need fewer, bigger slices of the pie. That's one philosophy. Mm -hmm. It's not realistic. And it probably means you don't eat. Yeah. Most you know, people don't. Most eat. people yeah. don't. Eat. But <laughs> yeah. you don't either. Yeah. Right. So in your in your quest for this kind of a world, you're actually working against yourself. Yeah. You know, Corey, exactly. All right. We're gonna have way, way, way fewer slices of the pie. No pie for you. Yeah. So that doesn't really work. Or you say, there's enough pie for everybody. 
and I'm happy to live in a world where everyone gets to eat. Mm -hmm. And hopefully people, I don't know how the metaphor extends to this, but hopefully people like my slice of the pie. Yeah. And that's probably the realistic take. There really is no other way than that one. And, and if that's the take and there's no way around it, then we've got to stop keeping in our heads our sense of how big a slice we were supposed to get. Because it's really defeating knowing that that's not out there and pretending it is, right? And again, there's always someone, like you may look at me and go, how are you licking your wounds on this? You had a number two record and you sold a bunch and you know, you're know you sure. doing a billion streams a year. I could tell you that I'm like number 200 and something in the world on Spotify. Sure. And someone else could say, Corey, I'm just trying to get a band going. So it's, yeah. it's totally relative. There's someone above you, there's someone below yeah, you. Yeah. And there's gotta be a way to understand you live in an apartment building and there's people above you and below you, but not think about what's in their apartment <laughs> above yeah. you. Yeah, and yeah. not think about what's in the apartment below you and just live your life there. Because if you start talking to artists, I know, I know you do, you start really asking like, hey, you know, how does it feel to do this right now? Nobody thinks it feels great. Yeah. Nobody thinks it feels great. No one is immune from discouragement in this day and age. So yeah. we've got to figure out a fix so that we can enjoy what we do. And most of the time I do, I'm highly analytical and I go, hey, what are my chances of winning here? Just tell me, yeah. tell me where I stand. Yeah. And like I, I'm older, been doing this for 20 years. That to me is the coolest thing in the world that I still have a seat at the table. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people, I mean, most people don't get the opportunity and most people who have the opportunity don't get to still stay at the table this many yeah. years in. But it's my responsibility to understand what I'm able to do and what I'm not able to do. I'm not a youth artist anymore. I can't go around asking for that or being upset if it doesn't happen. I've, yeah. I've got to check that. I've got to check that, you know, people have lives. People get around to it. People, yeah. I've, got, I've got to check the things I don't want to do to sell a record. Like? I don't want to do a series of TikToks over and over and over and over again. I was actually thinking yesterday, like, and I actually, now that I think about it, I think there are people who do this. Like, why not sit rounds out if you look around and you go, yeah, I don't think I can play this one. Yeah. Just sit out and jump in the next one. Why does it have to be all or none? Like for TikTok sure. for me, I go, mm, I don't know that I can nail this, but it doesn't mean there's not a new technology after this yeah. that I can't nail. Yeah. It just means that uh, I don't think I'm the guy to play on this song. Yeah, sure. It doesn't mean I'm giving up music. I, I think there's something heroic, at least in the concept of looking around going, yeah, I can't win this one. I'm not going to play. You know, uh, sitting out around. Yeah. I, that, that's even just another thing that doesn't quite make sense in the tapestry of what we're talking about. But these are all the things I think about so that I can entertain people the best I can, be as happy as I can be, be as energized as I can be, and not be a grumpy old man. That's the key of it. I think you could figure it out and you could play the game and do very well. But like we were saying earlier, you just might not have just, the enjoyment. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. Bur then, then that's where you burn out. That is where I would burn out. And that is where other people would go, I don't think he likes this. Everything I've ever done, I like doing, and you can see the spark in my eye. Yeah. I also think that being passive aggressive is not cool. If you don't like a thing, don't do it. Sure. Don't do it and send it up in a way that secretly or not so secretly shows you don't like it. Yeah. I've, I've been saying this recently. Don't go to the party and rip on the party. Yeah. If you go to the Met Gala... Try to have a good time. And if you didn't have a good time, just don't go again. But don't go to the Met Gala. 
and then start chirping everywhere that you don't like it because you were there. You could say, <laughs> I thought I'd like it and I didn't, so I don't think I'm going to go again. That's amazing. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of is I don't know anybody who hates fish more than fish fans. Explain that. I, I mean, a lot of the people that I know that are diehard fish fans also just rip on oh, fish yeah, for a yeah, while. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? Uh, I, oh, so, so I saw this with Dead & Company. I see this with Dead & Company. I think that's like the highest form of flattery that you've given them something they can rip on. Mm. It's a sports thing. You get to call oh, your own okay. you get to call your own wide receiver a bum. Yeah. You know? You get to call your own catcher a bum. Sure. But you get to celebrate your whole team. I noticed that I was giving I like giving people in the dead world I like giving fans something to make fun of me for. And they secretly appreciate it because it gives them vocabulary. It gives them fodder. Yeah. It gives them topics to discuss. It gives them memes. They call me Johnny Salami, and I'm not sure why. Okay. And I go, yeah, you're welcome. Sure. What do you want me? I mean, or I wore... Could have uh, been the color name for the, for the guitar. Salami. Johnny oh Salami God. Pink. Salami Pink. Good Lord. They're going to run with that. Uh, yeah, that'll be the next one. They're going to run with that. I think that's a sign of love. Sure. I really do. But you're right. It, the, the call, the, it's all infighting. Yeah. The call's coming from inside the house. If you look at, you know... People talking about my stuff. It's disdain for the new thing. It's love for the old thing. And it's coming around to the thing in between. Yeah. But it, that's what keeps moving. So if that's what keeps moving, then I know you're not going to like it now. You're going to like it more in two years. And you're going to love it when you compare the thing from five years ago to this thing I just did, saying you wish it was more like that. Yes. I'm not upset at you. I love you with all my heart. Yeah. This is the games we play yeah, yeah. together. And my job now is to challenge you, for instance, with a song like Why You Know Love Me. Yeah. This is some real blue dress, black dress stuff where some people <laughs> yeah. get it. And some people think it is. I, I read one review where someone said it was putrid. I've never gotten the word putrid in a review before. Wow. And I knew before I put it out that it was going to be super polarizing. You were either go, It was either going to speak to you or it wasn't. Because of the vernacular? Yeah. Like the modern day... Well, I didn't know that it was a meme. Sure. And it's not that difficult a thing to craft on your own. Sure, yeah. I had put words years ago to the feeling of being unloved, of being hurt, of being abandoned. Romantically? Mm -mm, no, grown up. And it sounded like... Well, it turned into romantically. Sure. It, 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 they're all connected. Yeah. And it would just be like if you could if you could tune in with like some sort of weird like you know short band radio to what my brain was feeling, it would be like even before I could really kind of make words, it would be like, or 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 with with the part of me that was getting hurt or was wounded, it would be like why why you don't love me? It would and it, and it is remarkably drippy. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. I yeah, know yeah, that it's yeah, sure. remarkably drippy, but I don't know why you can't experiment with that and if it doesn't work 50% eh, of the people don't like it but that song fucked me up for the longest time I would think that a mayor fan would want me to put music out that fucked me up regardless of whether they ended up loving it or not mm. and that I think is maybe why everyone is still sort of we're all hanging out together still is that when I put a new record out the sense isn't, oh, no, is this going to be something I like or not like? It's the excitement that I've come up with another thing that I feel good about. Yeah. You know what I mean? I go, oh, here's eight, here's ten more 
that I liked enough not to abandon. Like I had to like mm. each of these songs enough yeah. to mix them. And you probably mixed several more than that. Or I, whatever. At this point, I don't even finish them. Sure. I used to have people going, oh, come on. Yeah. And now people don't even try to say that to me because I know something they don't. If I am listening back to a song and I even have a thought outside of the song, there's something wrong with it. Mm. If, if I'm aware of time, and it usually is like second B section. If you're checked out by the second B section, you're yeah. never going to fix that song. Yeah. But if you're constantly engaged, you're like, there's one. Yeah. If you have to think about what time it is, or if you have to visualize yourself listening to a song, you've left. Yeah. You know? So I already know when I'm making the songs that don't work. So hopefully, if I have 10 more songs each time, people go, I don't know what they're going to be, but I want to hear his story. Yeah. Which is what I like about Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino could do a World War II movie. And you don't have to be a fan of World War II yeah. movies to go, whatever he thinks, I'm interested in yeah. watching him play that out. I never want to put out a record where the sense of it is like more like those. Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. It would be easier if I did, but to me, every record is a debut record. And I hate myself for saying it because it sounds really cheesy. Yeah. But it's the debut of that kind of style, you know? And again, the mind and the artist. Yeah. The music style is like the guitar I've picked up. Sure. And I think people are starting to understand that my mind is the artist. Yeah. And the, the mind goes above the singing and the playing. And those things can change. I, I had a thought the other day, like, could I ever write a song where I'm not singing it? I think so. If I, if I wanted to write a song, here's the problem of being a singer. You're so happy. You should be so lucky you don't deal with. Your guitar can go as high up as the next guy's guitar. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that with my vocal. Yeah. I would have to do Yeah. So, I, but I do want to write those. Um, I, yeah. have, I have song ideas all the time, you know, that are that high. I love the idea of it's a John Mayer song and someone else is a surrogate for my idea. That's not absurd at all. That totally makes it. You just it would feature make somebody else. Yeah, it would make perfect sense. Yeah, but you're not singing it. Yeah, but I can't sing it as well as this person can. And the mind is the song and someone else just sang it. But you also have to understand, like when I think about that concept as a consumer, I also think... Yeah, but at the same time, it'd be pretty awesome if, like, come on, Donald Fagan, go back and make another Asia for us. Right. You know, so I'm guilty of it as a consumer myself. Again, that's, uh, you know, well, I was going to tell you before what I wanted to save till we started recording was, by the time you're lucky enough to have a classic for your catalog, you're already dealing with the fact that people are holding it up like, why can't you do another one like this? Yeah. Why can't you do another one like this? And I think that's the blessing and the blessing yeah. of having a classic yeah is that i mean do you really think that after like someone's had all classics that do you think that paul mccartney gets upset when people talk about <laughs> let it be that they're not talking about ram like hey ram is dope Ra- there's a reason i said ram ram feels like it could have come out today ram is the shit and again nobody cared about ram yeah, yeah. nobody's ever cared but, about yeah, ram yeah, yeah. but you and i yeah. know that that Ramon, give your heart to somebody soon, right away, right away. Yeah. This guy can sing about cooking spaghetti. Yeah. And it's incredible. I've got shivers. Ima- I just got shivers imagining Paul McCartney <laughs> singing about got spaghetti on the oven. I'd be like, yes, I'm with you. Yeah. He can sing anything because yeah. his reportage is so beautiful. 
But I wonder if he goes like, oh, again? Uh, remember, I wrote No More Lonely Nights. Have you heard No More Lonely Nights in a while? I no haven't. More it's been... Lonely Nights, never be Which another. album is that on? I don't know, but David Gilmore is playing. That's this, David Gilmore? That's David Gilmore. Right? Yeah. I've got to figure He's he's like, he's going for it. It's great. You have a very like you I, you hear you play the band. And it's like oh, that's a John Mayer band. It's got a smack on it that I was thinking the other night. Wh- like I have a way of smacking the strings that makes it go. Rah. It's got this. That's something new to me, thinking about pick angle and how it affects ah. time feel uh-huh. and how it affects, like, if I play, you know. doing that all yeah. day right am- uh, here's what i want to talk about i watched you play a bunch i was i watched you play online i watched your right hand yeah now and i deal with this a lot now lately where people want to get tips i'm like you have an anatomy thing working on your right hand your hand is shaped in a way you have long fingers very sinewy hands that you are able to play like that yeah that is an example of someone making the most of their anatomical gift Sure. And you could also say neurologically, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. your anatomy too, if you think a certain way. Yeah. But you're playing to your strength in a certain way. Like when I watch your hand, I go, yeah, that's a lot of that is because your hand is shaped like that. Yeah. And I wish more players could embrace finding what their strengths are anatomically. Yes. Just the way your hand is shaped, the way your mind works and yeah. play to those strengths. Like if I'm doing, like I used to do a lot of fight training. Like I'm, my wrists are terrible. It's never going to be that for me. Yeah. Great legs. Great for kicking. That's what I'm going to be yeah. is kicking. I have the worst wrists for that. My range as a singer sucks. My range gets so bad so quickly that, that all my songs have to be pitched. Fathers be good. My trick is to try to get it not to sound low. Sure. Yeah. But that's... If I told you there's a song where that's the, the Yeah That sounds like a baritone But I couldn't go an octave higher if I tried So I've got to write things I'm the boy in your other phone that's a, You know, that's yeah. starting to get pinchy in my throat But tone-wise, you're changing your tone I have to It's like a balloon where you're pull, like So anatomically 
I have to change my tone to keep the note on pitch. I guess I could use low larynx. I'm the boy in your other, I'm the boy in your other. Then I just get Michael yeah, McDonald on it. Then I could do it, but I wouldn't sound like me. So I have to write everything a certain way. But guitar, I can do kind of what I want. Yeah. And I get to take advantage of that. For me, I was always picking in a really kind of circular Stevie way. And I had this thing. Yeah, you're going in a circle. The biggest thing it changes is your upstrokes. It taught me how to swing, really. Yeah. So I'm much gushier than you. Yeah. Like I am. That's sort of where my thing yeah. came from. So I was able to sort of put a certain wrist snap in there. Yeah. You have this unbelievable, you're sort of like a eagle, like an eagle wing it's, with your hands. Just yeah, a, it's, it's, it's weird. And, but, but that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm all, I almost want to say you, you play like that, not just because you love that music, but because you're able to do it as well as you are. Like sure. your body defaults yeah. to the stuff that's able to do the easiest. And it, it just feels, yeah, it feels just more like, my voice. Yeah. In the same way, you sound more like 15 or 16 inch hats and I sound like That's 13 right. or 14 inch hats. Everyone's got a different way of coming down on the beat and it's based on anatomical sort of benefit or, yeah. or ability. And if I, th I feel like more people, like learn what everyone is able to do, pick up their thing and then go, all right, what do I have? Yeah. What, what do I have? And everybody has something. That we can, you know, I'm not always yeah, the biggest yeah. believer in yeah, like, yeah. everyone's going to make it. Sure. But everyone has a thing where if they looked at, the, okay, how do my hands work? Oh, I have big hands. I, well, that's tone, right? Or I've got, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah, how I look yeah, at yeah. I am extremely weepy as a human being. And that's why for me, I'm always doing like... Yeah. And I play real slow vibrato. I was going to say, the vibrato has something to do with it. And you were telling me when we were chatting the other day about how you like to... You said there's something about floating your bridge sometimes with so, the vibrato, which I know that one's kind of locked. This one's not. But. So what I'll do is put the slightest amount of give in the springs so that if you were to bend, you would see the bridge come up a millimeter. And I kind of saw it as like truck shocks. And I actually like it. So yeah. you just set it to where there's a little give. So if you were to bend it, you'd see the thing come up. I always feel like it made it more gushy. I like reverb. I like low action. Yeah. I like slow vibrato. I'm very, you know, there's a yeah. There's a kind of a softness to it yeah. that I really like now, you know. But the low action still gives you the spank. That's the thing. I want to get... Yeah. Also, when it's turned off, I just like the... Yeah. You know. Also, what I learned was... A lot of great strat sounds come from the strings sort of flopping and dancing over the frets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I love that. That's sound. what makes all the. Yeah, but you have a very pure thing where it's very interesting. I'm going for uh, apology in the tone, and you're like, no apology. You want it naked. Yeah, maybe it's just growing up in Minneapolis, the Prince thing, but it's so much driving, and it's kind of like freight train, di. Mm -hmm. Into it, like that plugged into an SSL thing. sort of. So I have a question. Yeah. If you're in A, yeah. Do you hate? Do you hate that riff? Are there are there funk riffs that you just like, like 
the cliche? Is there is there a funk riff cliche that when you hear it, you go, uh, or you won't let yourself do? As long as it feels good, I don't care. My prep, like if I'm going. Okay, so if you play bass line, my my go to A minor uh-huh. things would be uh, going. That's another thing too as a guitar player. Ooh, can we keep talking? Yeah. I always move the ball forward too fast. This was just fine. And I went, what about a third on it? Change roles. Uh, okay. I would go like this. Yeah. But that's more of like a melodic right. comp. Yeah, I'm always coming to that. Melody guy. Yeah. Yeah, you're a melody guy. Also, I would be like a. I wouldn't buy it for myself. I'm not even playing the right chords. I don't know any of the... Show me one. You're sort of doing like a... It's got like a... I was doing just... It's basically like a minor six. Oh. I don't think I've ever done that. And sometimes I'll... I just played two or three of the notes. All right, well, let's try this. I'm gonna try it. You tell me if you buy it. Okay. All right. Just come up with any any baseline and, and tell me if you buy it. Two, three, four. I shouldn't slide. I shouldn't slide. Well, I was gonna say if you're gonna slide, make it shorter. That would help me. That would sell it to me. I guess. But you want some inside stuff. If it's in time, yes. <laughs> but you got it in time. Okay, I mean, your pocket's insane. That's the thing that I notice on Instagram. A lot of cats that play all the stuff inside, right. the subdivision's kind of whack, and that's what's like, ah, no. Right, 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 right. So the way that you're doing it's killing. Sometimes leaving a hole in the same spot, so it kind of gives it a little bounce.
inversion up, I do this thing. It's kind of a prince. It's like a prince voice. I'm almost there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. So just explore that space. In, just in the... And then... But then I you get the blues Steve, language. I would do the Stevie thing. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the big difference with us is that as soon as you do the blues thing, it's like, oh, you got that. And well, where right. I'm like, ah. Oh, I see like, what you're saying. Oh, no, but I can't. Here's, here's what you do that's really well. Here's my problem. Here's one of my guitar problems is that I tend to want to move the narrative way too fast. I'm oh, having okay. this problem if I'm writing with other people. Like sure. I will, um, well, I'm just working on a thing and they're just singing. And I have a thing that goes, change it yeah. way too early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always been my problem. I'll listen back to stuff that I'm playing in Dead and & Company and I'll listen back and I'll go, I'll have two thoughts. The first one is, oh, I remember killing this part. And then I go, uh-oh, I remember <laughs> moving away from this part. And you'll catch this one moment where you're floating and I'm hitting my forehead going, I remember... What I yep, that's gone. I did something stupid. I remember I did something stupid. Like I remember what I play. I could I sort of listen back to anything and I remember what I did. Yeah. in a spot. I feel like as an outsider, part of what's so compelling about what you bring to the table is in your melody and in your melodic delivery and in your lead thing. I think for me, the thing that I bring to the table that's most compelling is just in the rhythm world. Yeah. Like I can do the lead thing, sure, and and I like doing it, and I can. And anytime I need to do it, I'll step up. But I am 100% content. And I've always, even in my own band, it's like, I'll give the horns the solos mm -hmm. and the keyboard player the solos for the next six songs because I like being in this lane. And I feel like that's where my voice yep. is most unique. And this is why there's also a bass player and a drummer and a keyboard player and a singer. Yes. Because each person to them, that's the thing. Yeah. That, that's actually the most fun thing in the world. You know, sometimes I'll try to do like a pedal steel thing on a record and I'll go, let's get Greg Lee's. And he'll come in and do it in 15 minutes. Yeah. Because it's his thing. Yeah. His, he's spent his entire life looking yeah. at it that way. So, of course, he's going to, yeah. that's, yeah. It's going to be extremely compelling. Yep. But I, I heard, think I do have more fun do, doing rhythm stuff, though, when I'm playing. Yeah. In Dead and Company, you know, the, sure. I'm, I'm setting up, a lot of times I'm, I'm setting up the whole rhythmic context with the guitar. That's cool. Where did your pocket get so good? I don't know. I always had good time. Someone else told me I had good time years and years and years ago before I knew I had good time. Yeah, time and subdivision, though, those are kind of where you place. I don't know. It's just, it's, haven't you felt like you didn't realize that you were good at anything? You just realized you couldn't understand why anyone else couldn't do it also? Like... It wasn't like, wow, I'm great. I just looked around and went, why can't you do that? Sure. I mean, that's how, that's how it, it wasn't like, that. why can't you do that? Yeah. It was like, huh. Well, I was, I was growing up being like, huh. You don't, I mean, have you ever felt that way? I know it's a weird uh, yeah, thing to I feel express. Sometimes when I'm, I look at other guitar players. And you go, how are you not, baby? How are you well, not Yeah, just like, how can you not just go. That's right. That's right. Why can you not play even 16th notes? That's right. I, I, 
It's a rhythmic instrument. Thank you. Okay, so it sounds like what we're saying is really petty, but it's not. It's actually what happens where you realize like, oh no, you have a gift. Like this is yeah. different for you. Sure. And you have to uh, appreciate that. Yeah. And and that's why I make sure to be a gracious, gifted yeah, totally. person. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, it was never like, oh, I'm going to get this better. I never really played with a metronome. I thought, I remember people telling me I had to do that. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't know. I just, huh. I just got it. I just yeah. got the guitar. That's amazing. You know? Dude, rocket launchers only. Two signature Wongs right that's, here. We have two two Wongs. I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, that's so John Mayer. But that, that, but so are you? Because I'm looking so at am you. So I. Right, right, right. So this is what I was thinking about. Like, what we're talking about is like it started special because I did it. Oh no, it started like not special because it was just me. Yeah. Then it became special because. It was me, and now it feels not special again because it's me all over again. Like, well, that's just me. Yeah. But but you, you know, can even see videos of me. I'll, I'll do the same thing, and it's like, you'll be able to be like, uh, yeah, but but that thing's not. It's in your anatomy. Right. It's it's however your, how, whatever axis your hand moves on. Honest to God. And I can do. Yeah. You know? Uh, a lot of it comes from, I'm thinking about it now, like, I think D'Angelo had a lot to do with that stuff. Mm. Where are you with D'Angelo? Because you're very, very well-timed, and D'Angelo obviously is famously sort of wonky in all the right places. Do you appreciate the D'Angelo, Dilla, drunken, laid-back thing? Great question. I absolutely love it when it's done right. Correct. Now it's cool. It's en vogue, so it's like it the college try. It's like, oh, I get what you're trying to do, and they're doing it wrong. And then it's just, it's, it's too and then late. it ruins. It's and then too late. Yes. And then it ruins the it D'Angelo ruins Dilla the thing. D'Angelo thing. We're talking about something very important. Is that people go, let's all play late, and you go, that's not what that was. Yeah, that's not what that was. Like somebody's got to play in time somewhere in the somewhere. measure. But there was also a time where it was en vogue to be on top. You know, oh, listen yeah. to like a lot of '90s hip hop. Oh yeah, yeah, Don't you love going back to the records you listened to as a kid with the ears you have now, and really hearing the truth on a lot yeah. of albums? It's hard to talk about without naming bands, and I'm not sure. in a proper noun game anymore. But it's really funny to go back to albums you listened to as a kid, and you now you're a professional. You listen back to it and go, "Oh my god." Yeah, that's a mess. First of all, I can't remember. I can't even imagine Young John not knowing that this was kind of a mess but oh my god what a mess it is but that's the that's the fun have you ever have you done this listen back to music yeah i mean I, I recently just listened to taking it to the streets and i thought who mixed the bass on this <laughs> like did that the bass player was definitely you know you hear stories of of every like yeah. everybody hands on yeah. the knobs yes. when we're printing this master the bass player was like yeah, I'm getting mine. Okay, okay. <laughs> he I, just the, cranks it up in the room, and they just printed it. This stuff is on here. Okay, Don Henley is so loud on Hotel California. <laughs> the drums on Hotel California are so. I first of all, I love mixed. I love mixed stories. Just things like, have you ever checked this out and yeah. heard how crazy this mix is? The drums on Hotel California are so loud. It's amazing. Yeah. The splash symbol on "Can't Find My Way Home" by Blind Faith is stunningly loud. <laughs> And you don't know when it's going to come. <laughs> Speaking of splash symbols, what's the uh, the Joker, Steve Miller yes. Band? 
Oh, yeah. Listen to the drums on there. Just listen for when he hits the kind of, it sounds like a 10-inch crash or something. It's so arbitrary, and it's just so like, how did that slip through the cracks? But it makes it great. It's so good. It makes it great. I've, I've spent a lot of my career taking the edges off of things that ultimately ended up great. There's, a, there's like a couple of runs in Wooden Ships by Crosby, Stills, and Nash that are like real out. But your brain starts to accept it as a moment. Yeah. And you go, oh, is it, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. Yeah. You know? Like there's some, a couple moments where, like you ever listen to a record and go, could I have ever let that go if I were them? Mm. Like if I listen to Thriller sometimes, I play a little game with myself. Like, you do this. Put on Thriller. Pretend it's your album and you're attending the mix. Tell me if you'd have any notes. Because you would. Yeah. Except it's awesome. Exactly. Therefore, we've all got work to do. Yeah, and also that actually is an encouragement to me where if a producer and a mixing engineer are like, we're down with this and then they send it to me and I'm like oh my gosh it's a wreck I'm like wait no yes I, is keep it, it overnight I don't know keep yeah. it overnight yeah I'm with you I, how many I'll, mix tweet how many mix how many mix uh, revisions do you normally do on a great question they're different every time but we get up to the teens why you know love me got up to the 20 the 20s really mm-hmm. I mean what's the difference between uh, 18 and 26 um so when you get up there, eighteen has all the mix, all, all the changes of seventeen, but the thing back you took out in sixteen is back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So you know the most important one is that the most important reference is the one where the mix engineer goes from not knowing the sound field you were imagining, yeah. to you properly or improperly expressing what it was you were looking for, and them sure. getting it, and you go, okay, now we're in the zone. Yeah. It's when someone gives you something where the reverbs aren't there or, you know, like we, we do have a rough expectation. But also, I hope more than one person gets something out of this. I don't think my perfectionism is crazy. I don't think it's ever been crazy. Sure. I think revision 23 is the best of all of them. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's just like 21 was, but there was one little tick we took out. Yeah. So they get better. Yeah. I don't swim away. I don't. I don't need anyone to tell me like, so John, you're getting in your head. Yeah. I get in my head about everything in my life, except I know where the record's going. Yeah. We did the drums for Why You Know Love Me three times. And I remember looking at Don Was going, ooh, this is my ego gamble here. Because if this doesn't work, yeah. I'm going to lose. Not that he would ever hold it against me, but we're people. Yeah. We have a line of credit as yeah. artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you say follow me twice, three times, and you don't bring him anywhere, they don't follow you the fourth yeah. time. And I went, no, 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 we have to do it again. Brought in a drummer again. Same drummer, Aaron Sterling. And I said, I'm looking for a snare. And I had to figure out what I wanted it to sound like. And I go, I want the snare to go fit. Fit. And he goes, fit. Okay, let me work on it. And he, damned, he got a snare that sort of went fit. And when he started playing on it, the whole song unlocked. So uh. I know that as guitar players, we say, ah, it's any old cable. And a lot of times it is. A lot of times the minuscule stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. I have learned in record making, there's 110 BPM and there's 111 BPM. And there's also 110.5. Yeah. And that's not crazy to go to 110.5. We are working that nuanced on making records. Yeah. 
where I was working on a song and I go, the only person who can play the bass on this is me. Mm. Pino had played on it a bunch of times. Sean Hurley had played on it a bunch of times. I go, it's got to be me. And it's shot in the dark. And if the bass were any smarter, the whole song would have fallen apart. Sure. And the bass just had to be my... It just had to be that. Yeah. And and whenever it was a proper bass player, it wouldn't work, you know? So yeah. all these little things. A half a BPM, I've heard it make a difference. It makes a difference. Yeah. Changing the drum so that the snare is smaller. It makes everything affects everything, and I love the puzzle. There you have it. John Mayer. Dang it. This dude is so cool. What an incredible mind, incredible player, incredible artist. Absolutely inspiring and encouraging as a person. I'm so stoked about this interview. And guess what? There's a part two where we do a bunch of playing and it's really fun. He plays some songs, some of his songs, some other people's songs. It's absolutely amazing. We get a little little more into the guitar playing, guitar geeky stuff. It's coming out next week. Smash that subscribe button or whatever. I don't know what people say on podcasts. What? Smash that subscribe ding the notification yeah people say i don't know whatever like if you want to listen to the next one just look it up or like save or follow i don't know anyways we'll see you next week peace